the hell are you supposed to be? I'm comic book movie guy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. Now, today we're going to be trying a new segment. Now, I've been thinking to myself over the past couple of days, I've just been saying, like, what am I going to do about the fact that I love the Batman movies, the old school Batman movies from the 90s? And that'll be starting right from Batman 1989 all the way up to Batman and Robin in 1997. So basically what I uh, have decided I'm going to do is a segment called The Scale. Now, The Scale is going to be based on me watching the movie, and as I'm watching, I take notes for the good, and notes for the bad. So it's going to be good versus bad. And then at the end, what I've done is I've tallied up the good and I've tallied up the bad. And then I kind of give it a rating based on that. So, and it's kind of challenged me in a way because I've seen these movies so many times, but I haven't paid attention to it from like a critical standpoint. And let me tell you some of the things that I've found in these movies that are really funny Uh, in my notes and stuff as I'm writing them down. It's hilarious, and I've had a really good time doing this. So the good was always there, but now it's time to kind of look at the bad and see if it outweighs each other. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy this segment called The Scale. So let's get into it. Every punk in this town is scared stiff. They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. Is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Vicki Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? He's a tired old man. Can't run this city without me. Your luck is about to change. Terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. He's out there right now. And I've got to go to work. All right, so there's a little taste, a little taste of Batman 1989, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, and uh, the wonderful Kim Basinger as Vicki Vale. So here's how we're going to do it. I think the best way to do this is to kind of jump from the good to the bad, to the good to the bad, all this stuff, just through my notes, and then at the very end, I'll tell you the tally, and I'll tell you what I thought of it, and give it a final score. All right, so let's get into it. So right off the bat, the good is Bruce Wayne's 
glasses. I love Michael Keaton's glasses in this movie. It's, you know what, for the most part, Bruce Wayne is very different in this movie. Like for an introductory character uh, to the big screen, Bruce Wayne is kind of funny. He's <laughs> he's funny looking. He's very short. He's got kind of wiry, stringy hair. Uh, you know, he's not the typical casting that you'd expect. But Keaton's glasses, uh, they're kind of like, they make him look waspy, but like also very uh, intelligent. And I really like that. Um, and the next uh, point that I have for the good is Gordon's line when he first sees Batman and he says, oh my God. And the way he says that, it it just kind of really, um, I don't know, it gives me chills because like Batman's, he's ascending up towards the ceiling. He's, he's in the smoke. And that's the first real taste you get of like, wow, this, he's, he's crazy. And uh, Gordon, uh, he doesn't know who he is at all. Like it's, yeah, mysterious and definitely very new uh, for the people of Gotham. Now, uh, right on into the bad here, the gunfire, the noises are so funny. They sound like Saturday morning cartoons and it just, it takes away from the movie so much. Now I understand the times, uh, and you know, it was 1989 and you know, movies back then were a little different. It's just, it's not so much a bad, but I put it in the bad category cause it's hilarious. Um, my next note on the bad is the amount of times that Batman's that he opens his cape like check out my wings like he he grabs either side of the cape and he literally like holds it up like a bat so many times like if you count it like sit down watch the movie and count how many times michael keaton's batman lifts his uh cape up in the back just to kind of show them like hey this is my fear tactic this is how i'm gonna intimidate you it's hilarious and it happens so many times in the first batman movie Uh, Another bad that I have is how short, quite frankly, how short Michael Keaton looks uh, in, like, as Bruce Wayne, more than Batman. Like, his Batman is a little taller, I think, because of the combat boots, but uh, very interesting choice to cast Michael Keaton. I'm glad that they did, because he did do such a good job, but uh, yeah, hilarious how short as Bruce Wayne is. Like, Vicky Vale kind of, like, they're the exact same height. And like everybody Batman and Bruce come up against, he's like at eye level, if not shorter, which is a bit of a problem for me, but big deal. No worries. Uh, okay. Gotham City is another one of my goods. Uh, it's dark. It's gritty. It's how it's supposed to be. Like obviously Tim Burton is the right choice for the first guy to ever take on the Batman movies. It's, uh, it's, his Gotham City, everything he films, Tim Burton, feels like a Gotham City in some form or another. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for example. That's dark. It's gritty. Uh, it's maybe not necessarily supposed to be, but it reminded me of Gotham City at times because of how he films. So that's great. This is another good for me, and it's that Jack Napier, Napier, whatever you wanted to call him, that's Jack Nicholson's character. I really liked him before he becomes the Joker. Like, his gangster, like, outfit. Like, his suits that he wears, the coats buttoned all the way up, you know, with the top hat. It was very reminiscent for me of, I know this came afterwards, but, like, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, where Joker's wearing that sort of, 
um, uh, what, what do you call those hats? They're like sort of like a hipster style hat, but it's like gangster at the same time, you know? It's got the really flat brim with the, with the sort of black band around the side. But uh, yeah, it's, it works so well for me. And I thought that like Jack Nicholson was very much uh, at home with that character. He was, he, he fits the role of that sort of like dark, mysterious gangster and, you know, he's sleeping with the boss's uh, wife and stuff, too. Like, he, he's just badass. I really like that. And, obviously, the birth of the Joker is another positive in this movie. Like, with the hand slowly rising from the chemicals, um, and from Axis chemicals. I thought that the idea to put Axis chemicals in there and just kind of go the, the killing joke sort of route with the story was really cool. Um, and obviously the right choice for the first time we see Joker and Batman on the big screen. It was the right choice for sure. Um, as I move on to another <laughs> negative, most of my negatives are going to be quite funny or things that I thought were quite funny. They're not so much like negative negatives, but they're more like things that I find really ridiculous, but kind of make sense. I don't know. It's just a really weird area for me pointing out flaws in a Batman movie but it works really well. And I, I thought it was a lot of fun to do this. So, uh, Vicky Vale, this is one of the ones that is like a huge, uh, it was bad for me and it's not so much her character. I thought Kim was great. And you know, she was a last minute casting. That's crazy. She was like, so she basically, she got the call three days before they were about to shoot and she had to fly across the world to get back in time, which is, you know, a little fun fact, but also I thought she did a really good job for last minute casting. But the negative is her screams. Now, there comes a point in the movie where they get to the museum scene where Joker shows up and, you know, crashes the, he kind of sets up a date between Bruce and Vicky, but he crashes the date and Bruce didn't even know about the date. He set it up kind of as like an alias or whatever. And he shows up and we'll get to the museum scene, but yeah, her screams from that point in the movie on and her laughing is just, it's cringe. It's cringy and the screaming is really annoying. Like, I feel like the damsel in distress is important for movies like this, right? You need that. But her scream was just piercing and it happens so often in the last, you know, hour of the movie. This is one that I noticed, uh, you know, I've watched this movie so many times and I just noticed this for the first time, but it's Michael Keaton's teeth. His teeth are so bad in this movie. When he smiles as Bruce Wayne, and he doesn't do it often, but he does it a couple of times, his teeth were like devastating, like just looked like a routine smoker, just awful. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to move right past that because it is <laughs> kind of cringy, but I never noticed it before, so I'm assuming the casual moviegoer doesn't notice that either. It's just after so much rewatching that I finally noticed this, and looking for the nitpicks too. Jack Nicholson's choice to use his voice for the character of Joker. Like, he doesn't alter his voice at all when he plays Joker. Um, I just felt like it didn't work as well as if you would have changed the voice. You know how the other Jokers in coming years... Uh, have used uh, sort of a darker, you know, more like crazy, hysterical sort of voice 
or change their voice to a lower, gritty, whatever. He does do it at one point in the movie, and it kind of works uh, where, like, when he changes that voice, just briefly at times, that's where I feel like he should have done that for the whole character. But the vibe, I think, around set was that Tim was like, you know, Jack is Jack, and that's why we chose him for the role. So just be yourself, but then in, uh, incorporate the laugh, and that's how we'll introduce Joker. But for me personally, I think it's a minor thing, but I would have had Jack uh, change his voice for when he becomes character uh, Joker. I mean, the last bad before I move back to the good is that Joker's music is circus-like. Every time Joker's in the frame, they use kind of like a clown at the circus sort of um, instrumental in the background. It's so silly. It makes his character so much more silly. And I think maybe that was intentional in the sense that like, hey, we don't want to scare people, but we do want him to be, you know, sort of somewhere in between. And uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> it makes for his character to be really silly, and I just wish they would have done something different there. All right, back to the positives. Uh, I have here that Kim Basinger is beautiful, which she is, and I mentioned that she was a last-minute casting. The long, blonde, sort of wavy hair, that sort of late 80s sort of look, and uh, we can definitely see throughout all of the Batman movies that Bruce Wayne has a type. Like, if you think of, you know, Kim Basinger and then Michelle Pfeiffer and... Um, I'm thinking of, uh, Nicole Kidman. They're all blondes, right? That's kind of the, and that's, that's a sign of the times too. The late, late eighties, early nineties. That's, you know, the tall blonde was the look and that's, it makes sense for a character like Bruce Wayne, who's a eligible bachelor. So that's a good, for sure. It's one of my positives. Um, okay. Alfred cleaning up after Bruce at the party. Now, that's a really good scene because it does show their relationship. And I did want it to, uh, to touch on that sort of relationship between the two of them in the sense that, like, I thought Keaton and... Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who plays Alfred in the old school movies. You'll see him throughout the entire series. I thought they had good chemistry in the two movies that they feature in. And then, obviously, Alfred goes on... That, that actor, he goes on to play... Alfred in the other movies, but they change out the Batman character, which is fair. I thought he did a really good job. Um, Jack does a really good job with Joker's laugh. Uh, I thought it was incredible. He's, he, it's authentic because he changes it. Like it's very original too, because he changes it throughout the course of the movie. Every joke that he makes or every, you know, little, Thing that he says he's got a different sort of laugh for it he's got his like gut laugh he's got his sort of goofy laugh somewhere in between scary at times uh you know it worked really well and that's obviously credit to jack nicholson and that's definitely what they were going for with that character like we're gonna get jack nicholson for the joker and we're gonna have him you know play himself but like add in the laughter here and there so works really well the other side of him being sort of goofy, it makes you laugh. And that is obviously intentional with the things that he says. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's got some one-liners that are really good in this movie. Like when he burns the guy, he's got the little ring with the, like the classic Joker ring, right? Where he's got, 
the button kind of facing down in the palm of his hand. So when he shakes somebody's hand, it electrocutes them. Hilarious. And it works so well. And, you know, you got Jack saying in a line like, oh, I've got a live one here. And then he starts belting, laughing. Like it's hilarious. And it works really well. And it's entertaining to watch too. Mixing in another positive here is that Vicky Vale, uh, in the middle of the night, when she stays the night with Bruce for the first time, she kind of hears like a, like a squeaking sound and it wakes her up in the middle of the night and she turns over, she rolls over in bed and she sees Bruce hanging upside down, uh, from a, like from a swinging pendulum kind of like he's got his feet wrapped around a bar and he's just swinging back and forth, kind of like a bat upside down. And I really thought that scene worked a lot. It was, it was fascinating and a very cool choice by Tim Burton. Uh, okay, I'm going to move on to another negative here. Uh, okay, we went through. I'm just going through my notes just because it was so. It was a lot of fun. I'll just explain this too. I know I've said this a couple of times, but like to sit down and watch a movie that you know you love and like look for the bad stuff or like maybe not the bad stuff, but somewhere in between to just kind of like get, gain some perspective on it was a lot of fun and it made me watch the movie more intently. When I watch a movie so many times, sometimes I have a tendency to like take for granted what I've already seen. So I don't necessarily pay attention as much as I should, you know, but to do this where you're looking for good and the bad, uh, it gives you a chance to really watch it closely as if you're watching it for the first time. So Joker's smile is way too big in my opinion. They chose to do the prosthetics uh, for Jack's smile, and I think he could have really gotten away with it just being himself. But they chose to do the prosthetics, and I will say that this movie, for it being the first time Batman's graced the big screen, they made a lot of choices that they, like, lived and died with. You know, like, they were like, okay, we're going to do it this way, and this is how it is. Like, you could tell that creative decisions were made and they stuck with it from start to finish. Uh, the next negative I have is Lando. <laughs> I'm calling him Lando. I don't know what the actor's name is, but he played Lando in Star Wars uh, as Harvey Dent. Now, it doesn't work for me at all. The reason for this is he just feels so irrelevant to the storyline. It was just a character they threw in there and it's silly, to be quite frank with you. You know, at times, they like they they decided to do like the mayor and Harvey Dent in there at the same time, and they were both kind of like similar rank. So like at times, the mayor was asking him for things, and then you know Harvey was like, "I'm working on it. I'm working on it." Yeah, it just felt kind of silly, but like a nice little Easter egg for the future. Joker assassinates a man on the city council steps with cops everywhere, literally surrounding him. And they don't do a thing. He walks up the steps to the new lead gangster of the group. because he ki So Joker kills the lead guy, essentially, who's running all the gangsters in all of Gotham. He kills him first. And then, through uh, lawyers and stuff, the next guy in line kind of makes it sound like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up the mantle. So Joker assassinates him on the steps of city council cops surrounding the whole facility and they don't even pull out a gun there's nothing that happens the reporters are like 
even shocked by this. They're taking pictures. They're going crazy. They mug the guy. They, like, surround the guy completely. And, yeah, the cops don't do a thing. I thought that was really silly and a bit of a plot hole. The museum scene. We're going to do this right now. The museum scene is so goofy. Uh, Now, Prince is... One of my positives that I have is that Prince, his music, I thought was really good. Um, And it works really well for that scene if it had to be in there, which it apparently it did, but uh, it's so dragged out and Joker's outfit is so goofy and he's just like dancing around like wrecking art. It's hilarious. Like, is it meant to be funny? Is it meant to be taken seriously? Like my opinion is when I watch that scene, it's meant to be funny and it's meant to kind of give you some humor Now, when I think about uh, that scene, I always think about, uh, nowadays, I think about the art in the museum. Now, there's a few references in this movie to um, future movies that we've seen now. Like, a lot of movies that we've seen now are referencing this movie. Um, And one of the things, and I, I didn't know this until it was pointed out to me, um, by, you know, a YouTuber or whatever, but one of the pieces of art, actually the main piece of art that Joker stops the thug from stabbing, um, is in Joker 2019 with Joaquin Phoenix. It's in his apartment with his mom. And that's a really cool little Easter egg that Todd Phillips put in there. And it just, you know, tips the cap to that movie in general and that version of the character. Um, yeah, I just, you know, and the other reference that I'll add right now is the Dark Knight. There's a couple of Dark Knight references here, and I'll just find them in my notes. So they reference this movie uh, in the final meeting between Batman and Joker um, up on top of the tower. So, like, if you think about it, Dark Knight, the final meeting between Joker and Batman is up on a tower. And in Batman 1989, it's the exact same. They're way up on a tower. Um, battling it out in some form or another. Uh, Okay, moving on. So, Joker's thugs could not be less intimidating, in my opinion. They're so silly looking. And I had my girlfriend beside me, and she's watching the movie too, just for a bit. Like, she didn't watch the whole thing, but just at times she came in, and she's like, what does that guy look like in the back? Like, what the hell is that? It's like this guy, this bald guy with, like, these sunglasses on, holding, like, a stereo, and he had, like, a huge mustache, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. And then he had his button-up shirt all the way up to his neck, all the way up to his chin. I don't know. Just less, couldn't be less intimidating for the thugs. But I will say this, one of the goods I have here is the outfits that the thugs wear. I want one of those jackets, man. They're those purple leather jackets with the Joker emblem stitched on the left uh, shoulder. Oh, man, they're like a Letterman jacket, but like for the Joker. And that's how you knew that they worked for the Joker. It was, I like that part of it for sure. Um, Batman's mask. I want to get to this right now. Uh, I noticed this part in a couple of different times in this movie. Um, but the main one is when the chopper's flying overhead in one of the final scenes. 
and Joker yells down to Batman, uh, holding the microphone. And you can't even really see Michael Keaton's eyes. This, like, the mask doesn't fit him at all. Like, it really seeps down over top of his eyes. Now, when Tim Burton's interviewed about this movie, he says he casted Michael Keaton for the eyes. He's got these crazy eyes. And um, I'll get into this more in my Batman Returns episode. Because, like I said, I'm going to go through each Batman movie and do the good and the bad called The Scale, the segment called The Scale. And uh, yeah, back to what I was saying. His mask doesn't fit him at all. And it kind of takes away from it at times. There are scenes, like when he's flying around in the Batwing, which was really cool, um, the mask seems to fit him a little bit better, but at times it just completely doesn't work. And that was a little frustrating for the suit in general. Uh, Okay. I said that you can hardly see his eyes, so that was one of my notes. Let's go back to some of the good here. Um, all right, bear with me here. I just have a lot of notes. <laughs> I just wrote them out single file. Um, and yeah, I have here that the Batmobile scenes are great. And when he says shields up and the shields kind of come, you know, CGI obviously, but they, they lock his vehicle down. I thought that was great. Uh, in the museum, the flower garment that spits acid is perfect. Straight out of the comics. I love that they put that in there. Batman's scene with Vicky in the Batcave is perhaps my favorite scene in the movie. You find out that he's a really good detective and he's kind of solved the mystery behind Joker's products that he's handing out to the city of Gotham. Um, He's just so dark in the shadows in that scene, Batman is. And the way Keaton's talking and presents the lines there, it's, it's just classic Batman and I thought he killed that scene. That's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um... And obviously, right around that time, we get the famous line, ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. Now, that is Joker's best line in the whole movie. And it actually, it has such meaning behind it, too, in that uh, Jack Napier was actually the guy in this version who killed Bruce's parents. And that's the reference that actually takes Bruce's memory back to when his parents died. And yeah, it strikes true when uh, Bruce is in Vicky's apartment kind of he's trying to explain to Vicky hey listen like I'm Batman he's gonna you know take a leap of faith and tell this girl that he really likes that he is the Cape Crusader and Joker crashes the party because he's got an obsession with Vicky he really likes her and uh, it's funny to me that uh, Batman and Joker have a similar interest uh, in the same girl but uh, yeah, like I was saying, Joker pulls a gun on Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton in that scene, by the way, is so funny. When he's like, he's, he's, got, the, he's got the fire uh, stick, the mantle of the fireplace. And he's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And he's got those crazy eyes. It's like, okay, that's a little far, but I like it. It's good. That'll work. Um, but yeah, then Joker pulls the gun and he says, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? the acting by Keaton in that moment where he's like, what'd you say? Like, you can feel that. Like, something just jogged his memory there. Like, holy, I I know exactly what he's saying here. Like, and then he goes back and he researches and he looks back on the different crimes that Jack Napier did. And he's like, hmm, 
you know, he's thinking in the Batcave and you see him wearing those glasses again. I referenced the glasses again because it's such a good look for Bruce. You got a Bruce who's not classic Bruce Wayne by any means. Like he's no Ben Affleck in this, but the glasses make him look very exquisite, very smart, very intelligent. And yeah, he figures out he has kind of a flashback and yeah, Jack says the same thing. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? And man, I love that line. Right back to that scene where um, they're in Vicky's apartment. And uh, when Bruce is trying to tell her that he's Batman, she just keeps talking. And he's like, you're a real nice girl. I like you a lot. But for right now, shut up. It would be really funny. All I could think about was like, it would be really funny if he was like, if they just decided, Kate, he's going to swear at one point in this whole movie. And he's going to say, you're a really nice girl. I like you a lot, but just shut the fuck up. That would have been so funny. I would have like dropped dead laughing. I think it would have added to the movie a little bit, but I get why they didn't put that in there. Another bad for me here. Same scene. When Joker shoots him after he says the classic line, Bruce uses a tea tray to stop the bullet as if a tea tray would stop that bullet. You got to be kidding me with that. It's just so ridiculous. But you know what? We'll take it. It's 1989. It's the first Batman movie ever, and it set the tone. So I'm going to take it. It's fine. So the first time we see the Batwing is during the parade, which, by the way, the parade is so 80s. Like, you know, it's got Prince's music going, and Joker's on a big, uh, what do you call those things? Like a float. (laughs) He's going through the city just dumping money on people. It's awesome. He's dancing. He's got the big microphone, the old school microphone. And, you know, he's trying to win over Gotham City because he's like, where's Batman and all this? And I'm giving out free money. And uh, yeah, that's, it's really silly and it's a parade and it's kind of weird, but it works. And uh, yeah, it's, again, it matches with the tone. But what I'm getting at here is um, another one of the goods is that we get to see the Batwing. And I'm really glad they used it. And I was really impressed. Like for 1989, uh, the way they filmed it, it's really well done. And uh, the shots of Batman sitting in the, like, that's such a classic scene that they've carried forward in all of the Batman movies, right? Is Batman adjusting the controls in either a Batmobile or, you know, his Batwing or a submarine, whatever the case is. That's a classic shot. And Tim Burton was the first to use it. Like, Batman sitting in some sort of a hub, controlling something. That's a classic. And, you know, props to them for doing it for the first time. Imagine 1989, you're sitting in the theaters for the first time. My mind would have been blown watching this, sitting in the theaters for the first time, watching this movie for the first time my mind would have been blown and I would have been, you know, as a fan of the character, I would have been huge, would have been huge. And if you add the score, the musical score with that scene, it's, it's fantastic. It worked really well. Um, and then of course you have the game of chicken with Joker, which is my second dark Knight reference. That's the one I couldn't remember, but you know, Jack standing in the street above his, like in front of his float. And, you know, here comes Batman in the, in the Batwing, just soaring towards Joker. And he kind of looks at him and he, come on, you gruesome son of a bitch, come to me. 
you know, like, come on, come on, you know? And that reminds me, like, of course, Christopher Nolan put it in the dark night where he's like, come on, come on, come on. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Hit me. Come on, hit me. Right? Like that is definitely a little callback to Batman 1989. And I felt that in the theaters when I watched that in 2008, that that was a definite reference to 1989 Batman. But the, the negative that comes out of that scene is Joker's gun is so ridiculous. It's like a little handgun, but he's got the, the nozzle on the gun is like so long. It's so outrageous and ridiculous, but also in the comics and stuff too, like Joker has these really weird little, like, you know, guns that say bang or guns that say certain lines, like a flag pops out of the, out of the tip rather than a bullet. And I think that was a little nod to that. And Joker does do that as well in the tower scene with Vicky Vale. He points a gun to her head or to his head, one of the two. And the little flag that says bang comes out of it. And that's, you know, they're tipping their caps to the comics. I like that a lot. Um, I love the Joker and Batman's uh, interaction at the end where Batman uh, reverses the line of ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. He's like, he goes, excuse me. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? And he just up and socks him right in the face. And uh, that was, the payoff for that line was, it's obviously, that was something that in the script when they wrote it, they're like, okay, that's going to be the line that we, you know, reverse back. Batman's going to get justice on Joker with that line, which I loved. And the, like I said, the payoff was was fantastic for that. Um <laughs> The thing that I want to say, though, is like in that scene, first, I'm going to touch on this. Batman's fighting is terrible. It's and you know what? Like I said, 1989, it's just I have here in my notes. It says Batman's fighting is dog shit in all capitals. (laughs) It's it's true. I mean, he's like he's very stationary. He's defending himself the whole time. It's kind of ridiculous, but like I said, it's okay. But right back to that scene where Batman socks Joker after he says the classic line of ever dance with the devil. Joker is getting beat to a pulp in this scene. Absolutely mangled by Batman with his, you know, minor punches and stuff, right? Zero strength whatsoever. You know, he's getting his ass beat up. Um, he tries to punch Batman in the stomach at one point and like hurts his hand even. And anyways, Batman punches him so hard that he flips over the edge. Now at that point that he flips over the edge, they Vicky Vale and Batman approach the ledge and with one hand on each of them, Joker is now able to sling them both over top of the ledge. Like, Somehow, all of a sudden, he's the strongest man on earth and is able to do this. I laughed so hard at that when I like thought about it afterwards. It's hilarious. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, the, the conclusion here is huge, right? Like, the payoff for the end of the movie works really well because you have that scene where Joker defeats Batman and... Uh, or, <laughs> Joker defeats Batman. Batman defeats Joker and, you know, way where he just plain and simple outsmarts him. But the part I wanted to talk about was um, how funny Jack is in that last uh, little sequence where he's got 
uh, Batman and Vicky over the ledge. He makes so many jokes in that little section where he's like, he looks at the gargoyle and he says, what are you laughing at? And then he's like laughing so hard and he's like stomping the, the cement tiles and he's like, they don't make them like they used to. Like, I don't know. I, I find it so funny. And he's just, he's basically just taunting them and it works really well. Super funny there. Uh, Joker's death was a wow moment and unexpected on the first watch. I assume by most like Joker's a character that you can bring back, you know, in future movies, but instead they decided to kill him off. You know, Batman shoots the, the grappling gun at his foot and then hooks it around a gargoyle. And that gargoyle ultimately as Joker's getting away on the helicopter, um, on a ladder, the gargoyle weighs him down and he falls to his death from the tower, which is, you know, it's an interesting choice to have Joker die and to have him die in that fashion. Um, my final note for the bad is the weird laughing sound that Joker's, like, that ensues at Joker's death. Like, he's lying on the ground and you just hear, <laughs> and, like, Gordon reaches down and, like, pulls, like, this weird, um, like, I don't know, it's like a green sort of sack out of, joker's pocket it's like a velvet sack if any like has something in it and it's like making that sound that laughter sound it's i don't know it didn't didn't make sense to me and i have no idea what that is and it kind of makes for a weirder scene than that had to be um in my opinion you you didn't even need to show joker like dead on the pavement there but uh also kind of cool if he would have just been there smiling like you see right? But I don't know why to add that silly little laugh in there. It was really weird. Um, and then finally, we have one of the best moments of the whole movie, which is my final good point. And it's that, uh, the finale where, you know, how do we reach Batman? And Gordon says, he gave us a signal. And he turns on that signal. And, oh, I'm getting chills just talking about it now. The score comes on right? The, the classic Batman score. And, you know, the camera starts at ground level and away it goes. It, sl- it starts to slowly climb. And as the camera's climbing through the architecture of Gotham, we hear the score start to climb and climax. And as it reaches the climax, we see Batman standing on the roof, staring up at the newly uh, lit bat signal and you know the payoff is massive for me when I watch that uh when I watch that scene I get chills every time and it's all due to Danny Elfman's score and just that shot in general so those are my good and my bads for that movie that's the scale so now we reach the point in this new segment based episode this is going to be a series of episodes as I said um, you know, I, at the beginning of the episode, I said episode seven of comic book movie guy, the podcast, but I think what I might do is create a playlist on my SoundCloud and put these in that playlist and just call them the scale segment. And you can, you know, sit down and go through the, the, the segment called the scale and it'll have all of these Batman movies. Um, so here we go. This is the conclusion. All right. So the conclusion is Batman 1989 is a classic. And if you are a true Batman fan, you will absolutely love this movie. 
Lots of good stuff here. Uh, but the big question, does the comic book movie guy good outweigh the comic book movie guy bad? So let's find out. The comic book movie guy good points. There's 35 points for the good. And the comic book movie guy bad points, there were 22. So yes, in fact, the good outweighs the bad. Now, if I put that into a... I, I even... You know what? I had a lot of time on my hands. I sat down and went 22 divided by 35. That's 62%. So 62% of my points were bad only. Which, you know what? Honestly, if you think about it, that's actually quite a bit. 62% of my points were bad out of the good ones. But you know what? It's not so much bad. It's that it's comedic and it adds to the movie. That sort of stuff. Like, I love that sort of stuff when you can go down and like watch it and, you know, see those uh, points that you can actually point out and you can find and be like, you know, if I were to direct a feature film or write a feature film, I'm going to have plot holes galore. You know, me as a casual watcher, like it's incredibly hard to do. So it's hilarious to go down and be like, I respect the work that this person did because that's an extremely hard film. Like this was like 10 years to make or like it was in the process of making 10 years and they finally did it and it was a huge success. It made a ton of money and it was great. So uh, yeah, I mean, I have some silly bad points, but that's that's why I loved doing this and this segment's going to be a lot of fun doing the other Batman movies as well. Um, I'm going to do every single one of the Batman movies, including the Nolan versions, like the Dark Knight uh, trilogy. And I'll even do maybe a BVS. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to stretch myself too thin here, but for now, I'm just going to stick with the 90s Batmans, which, like I said at the beginning of the episode, 1989, that was this episode. And we're going to do the segment, uh, the segment called The Scale. We're going to do it all the way to Batman and Robin 1997. So my final summary for Batman 1989 is this. There are plenty of silly moments and flaws in this film, but the comic book movie guy bads do not outweigh the comic book movie guy goods. This movie is loaded with too many good moments to consider the minor details that aren't so much bad as they are funny. For a 1989 introduction to my favorite comic book character, on the big screen, this movie will always hold a special place in my heart. Tim Burton obviously understood the character and knew what it took to bring him to the cinema, to the big screen. So my comic, comic book movie guy final score for Batman 1989 is a 7 out of 10. Now, that goes off of everything that I just said here today. That's my final score. Um, this was so much fun. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to come across on, uh, on the podcast itself if it's going to be a good segment if it's going to be kind of you know this is a trial piece and I want feedback so give it a listen and let me know if you if you liked it if you didn't like it either way whether you did or didn't I'm moving on to Batman Returns and I'll uh, be releasing that one within the next however long it takes me to watch that movie do my notes on it like last time this is more a segment for myself I'm enjoying this this is a lot of fun and it gives me an opportunity to watch uh, the former Batman movies that I hold so closely. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. From your secret friend. Underneath the bridge. Who? Top